Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. Welcome you to Bite Into It. It's 7 o'clock on a Wednesday. We've got Dan Morganti. Hey, hey. Hey, and I'm Vanessa Taholka. And uh, great to be with you on this first post-radiothon moment. Dan, how are you feeling about it? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I'm just hoping that uh, everyone subscribed to the station we all loved and uh, we'll endeavour to bring you more fantastic radio content. Yeah, all the independent kind of media coverage that you hope to get from your local tech show and your fabulous community radio station. Big thank you to all the subscribers out there. We feel you and um, thanks for showing us the love. Really awesome. Really awesome. Hey, also awesome, maybe not as awesome as subscribers awesome because that's a pretty high bar, <laughs> but um, it is Melbourne International Games Week. After two years of engaging audiences online only, the festival is back with in-person events and we wanted to focus on some of the elements of Games Week that we think are pretty cool. So tonight we'll be chatting to someone about free play parallels. It's a bit like a mixtape of computer games and I think you're really going to dig it. We'll also get a bit nerdy, which is not unusual for us, but like we're going to get education level nerdy. We're going to be speaking to um, someone at ACME about the Teachers Summit, which they're putting on in collaboration with Games for Change. And what that is, is it's a couple of days of um, helping uh, teachers uh, ideate and collaborate and use a whole lot of packages around how they might use games within an education environment. So we're excited by that. Certainly wasn't the way I went to school. No. Um, no games in school for you, Dan? Uh, well, not to my teacher's knowledge. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, a little bit of Pokemon in the schoolyard with the link cable work. There you go. Uh, I don't know the educational value of that, but uh, maybe we can discuss it later. Yeah, somehow you've memorised a million Pokemon, so that's the important <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> we'll certainly get to that a bit later. Until then, the news. What is going on in tech news and games-focused tech news this week, Dan? Um, well, like always, we like to mention uh, something about games and unionisation. Um, so the National Labor Relations Board in the US finds that Activision Blizzard withheld raises from unionising workers. Um, so these big companies don't often get a, a, a good run on this show, uh, mainly because of their dodgy behavior. Um, but basically the, the NLRB is accusing Activision Blizzard of withholding raises from QA workers at its Raven software subsidiary as a re- direct result of their union activity, which is all kinds of messed up. Um, it was reported by the Washington Post, um, that the Raven testers, which, uh, QA testers, uh, we've said it on the show before, are often overlooked when it comes to um, paid games developers. All or guts, no glory. Yeah, yeah. it's, um, it's an o- definitely overlooked and underserved um, portion of the video games development um, industry. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, Activision Blizzard, one of the biggest publishers in um, America, in the world, um, known for franchises such as Call of Duty and World of Warcraft, um, and also known for firing uh, mass layoffs when a game comes to publishing time. Um, yeah, they're now under investigation for the matter, um, and the NLRB said they intentionally withheld raises from those involved in unionisation efforts. Um, so just more dodgy behaviour from these uh, money-grubbing publishers. 
Yeah, really, really shocking news story there. Mm. And um, I guess it just shows how important it is that, you know, people across the board in companies like that yeah. um, support each other. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to isolate um, different teams. Yeah. And the the NLRB said that they could move to prosecute the case in a federal court, which hopefully lights a fire up under their ass and they do what's right before that's it, it has to. That's a technical term. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think that's, yeah. Burn it up. Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, it seems like they'll uh, most likely do the right thing and um, offer these uh, wage, these rises to their pay, wage, pay rises to their employees. Um, in all fairness. Well, there you go. You well, hope, yeah. I mean, it's important to have these checks and balances. Yeah, absolutely. So excellent work by uh, the National Labor Relations Board. Mm. Um, have you used Google Stadia before? I have not used Google Stadia. How about you? M- me either. I think wow. this is uh, one of the... something, isn't it? Yeah, one of the key reasons why, why it failed. So <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Google Stadia is uh, Google's... Um, Gaming platform. Game platform, streaming platform, yeah. uh, st- game streaming platform. Yeah. Um, apparently quite good. Uh, like we just said, we neither of us have played it, but um, the technology involved is actually uh, offers a high rate of fidelity, um, minimal lag, and um, yeah, it was essentially a streaming service for video games. Um, it's been alive for two years and 11 months, um, but it'll wind down in January. Uh, not surprising coming from Google, who is uh, famous for killing uh, things in their crib. Um, well, I mean, that's a, that's a healthy sign. Like, it can sound like we're being critical there, but it's a healthy sign of an innovation ecosystem where you, you, know, you equally want to encourage ideas but also kill off the wrong ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just in the – they've just left a few gamers out in the, out in the rain, though. There's a, I've seen some tweets of um, – so a, a gentleman who was a big fan of Red Dead Redemption uh, had something like 1,500 hours in the game on an online profile. Um, that is quite a side hustle. Yeah. He was, he was desperately trying to allow Google to transfer his account to another platform or to have a, a, like an online-specific account so he could play it on any platform, It is really. an eternal frustration for people, yeah, losing yeah. content if platforms die. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, another reason was a lack of third party or fir- third party um, integrations, integrations and, and mm. um, also the the style of software they were getting on there as well. It was just a lot of um, you could get it anywhere kind of software. There weren't any um, well, exclusives. That's right. I think they've looked into it and said if people were really crazy about some of these blockbuster games, the incentives were already there for them to have them in their home set up. Mm, that's there, it. there wasn't a reason to go to the cloud. So they didn't have enough draw cards, you know, their platform only. And I guess you see that every time new streaming services come out, that competition for content. Yeah. And and how do you differentiate? How do you become the place that has that draw card? Yeah. It's um well Google doesn't have the answer at this point in time, but um Good for them just calling it quits though. Yeah. Saying, look, we've thrown this much money after it. We got some things right. The platform yeah. performed well. We had technical strengths. What we didn't have was content strengths. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think that's what ultimately let them down is the content and the, the lack of exclusivities. Like, there, yeah, there were no draw cards. Um, but hopefully all the other companies learn something from this, uh, such as uh, Microsoft and uh, PlayStation, and um, they're able to, yeah, better serve their player bases with uh, some of the technology that Google um, was able to pioneer with well, uh, yeah, Stadia. There are uh there is a real industry in feature 
uh, inspiration, you know, taking it from your competitors. Yeah. And there's a great art article on GameSpot at the moment which breaks down some of the things they thought were great ideas on Stadia that are just out there now. It's like we wouldn't be surprised to see these pop up anywhere. So things like Stream Connect, um, the idea of tightly integrated uh, co-op multiplayer experiences showing each player in a live video feed uh, of their teammate's screen. So almost that that picture-in-picture sort of thing that you saw pioneered in sports yeah, sports coverage. No doubt um, inspired by the success of something like Twitch as well, where you kind of get this, like, streaming um, look to the game as well or, mm. you know, to um And inspired by some of those um, maybe Chinese social media experiences where they like that layered up quite, you know, they're able uh, to cope yeah. with a much busier screen yeah, interface. Yeah, a lot of banners and, yeah, yeah a lot of pop-ups and stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's a, there's a bunch of... Good ideas out there. Uh, so farewell to Stadia. Uh, you will be missed, well, by the people who used you, I guess. We, we couldn't possibly <laughs> no, say. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, in cybersecurity news, crossing over with games, Blizzard's president has blamed a mass DDoS, uh, so a denial of service attack, for keeping you from playing Overwatch 2. So really, you know, Blizzard, Blizzard Activision, not having a good week. No, not at all. Um, I don't think they really ever have good weeks now. They're always, anytime we mention Activision Blizzard, it's uh, not for um, positive purposes generally. But um, yeah, uh, uh, Overwatch 2 has um, been released. And from what I hear, it's just a Overwatch 1.5. Um, a lot of people are not happy about the content in... Uh, Overwatch being locked behind paywalls and characters being locked behind paywalls, becoming more of a play-to-win game. Um, and It's really unattractive. It, it, it it's is. It's an unattractive quality in a game to well, lock away features and characters and, yeah, the, and like, hold you ransom with hours of time in yeah. your precious life. The thing is, though, that the first game didn't have any of this this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like They were big on the loot boxes, which, uh, as we know, have led to like some... Um, uh, like policies in other areas around the world, um, because it's so addic- comparable it's, to online yeah, gambling. Yeah, yeah. It, it is gambling with one small yeah, detail, small that, element. Yeah, yeah. that uh, they'll ride pretty hard, saying that that's why it's not gambling, but <laughs> it certainly well, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. The, the dopamine yeah. balance in your head is... It sounds like gambling and smells like gambling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a duck. That's, that's yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe a goose would be appropriate in this yeah. form. So, um, yeah, they're, they're working hard uh, to mitigate, manage uh, the damage and uh, hopefully get people connected to their uh, Overwatch 2 account and game um, so they can be disappointed in another way when they play the game and see all their content locked behind paywalls. Yeah, what what makes me laugh about this is that, you know, while I might have said, look, it's a cybersecurity thing, in reality, um, having a whole lot of people hit your server at the same time is indistinguishable from... A DDoS attack. A DDoS attack. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's launch day. This has happened. And really you're thinking, okay, well, you should have been able to predict this. Please provision your servers yeah. better and, you know, have it, them able to and it happens, throw some capacity at it. It happens with every new major release game. Um, so how come we haven't solved this yet? Like I understand yeah. it's, it's quite tricky. Mm. I suspect, though, they're more worried about expense. At a certain point they go, right, yeah. this well, is too expensive to do. I think for such a high-profile game, the launch – uh, window would be the time where the most there'd be the most service drain. They're not going to 
ever reach the levels that they Again. will on the. Yeah. So I think they just underserve the opening think, day. You'd think the server companies would just go, yeah, we know it's a blip. Let's just really show how well we can do this. And yeah. It doesn't seem to be the attitude. It's not. It's no. not about the quality product. It's they definitely about... seem to hold back for, yeah, for whatever reason. True. It seems like they have the ability. They just don't want to. This um, is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, I just wanted to check. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, Vibe check done. Yeah. Uh, coming up next, we have an interview with Dan Golding, former biter um, here on Three Triple R. He is uh, a man with a huge resume. We're only going to focus on some of the games bits. Dan co-wrote Game Changers, this incredible book, um, in 2016, made the soundtracks to Untitled Goose Game on Switch and PC in 2019, and uh, also the soundtrack to Push Me, Pull You and The Haunted Island. And uh, from 2014 to 2017, was just cheekily the director of Free Play. He's currently a board member of Free Play. He's an ex-host of Bite Into It. And we're incredibly fortunate to have him join us this evening. Welcome, Dan. Hey, Vanessa. It's so good to be back with you. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been ages, um, but you've been very busy. And yeah. it was very exciting to hear that this year, after a couple of years of being virtual, Parallels is going on in person. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's in person, yeah, as you say, for the first time in a couple of years. Um, so for those of uh, anybody who doesn't know, Parallels is it's like a showcase. Basically, we get local game makers to get up in front of an audience and tell people about what they're working on, um, show a bit of their game in, 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 as a work in progress. Um, they're, they're always unreleased. Um, they get about 10 minutes each, so they're short and sharp, um, short and sweet. Um, and honestly, we've had some amazing games over the years. I mean, actually, Untitled Goose Game, I think it was one of the first times it had been shown in public. Um, back in 2017, we've had uh, Paperbark, Florence, uh, Wayward Strand. Like, you know, I think the, the, the hit rate's been pretty good for Parallel. So this year, especially being back in person, it's, it's pretty exciting. Uh, I can't wait. And we don't want to throw any shade on the experience that Free Play delivered in the off years because you had a virtual uh, meeting space and uh, dance floor and backyard with a fire pit plus a place to watch all of the games being presented, which is pretty sensational. Uh, how, how have you gone about curating this? Who's been involved in Parallels this year? Um, so basically this year we're actually working with a game studio that showed their game uh, a few years ago. Um, gosh, in 20, I'm going to say 2015, they showed their game called Paperbark. Um, they're a, a game studio called Paperhouse. And this year, uh, because uh, this year we're sort of um, between directors for the Free Play Festival, uh, we've reached out and worked with, uh, with the studio to get them to curate um, the lineup this year. So Terry Burdak is um, really the person who's been leading that with his team. Um, but so this year, I think uh, we've got nine games. Um, and look, going on the <laughs> going on the basis of, of the the list that I said before of the games that have broken through from Parallels, I kind of feel like at least a couple of these are, are surely going to be a bit of a hit. Maybe next year or the year after, within it, whenever they're released. Um, well, we've already seen a, a couple here, like uh, Mars First Logistics. We've um, spoken about that on the show, and uh, Frog Detective Three, of course, the the most famous uh, detective <laughs> who is also a frog, um, <laughs> is appearing. Uh, 
in uh, Parallels. Um, can you tell us uh, more about any of the other games? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I probably shouldn't tell you about both of those games because I have an enormous conflict of interest because I'm the composer <laughs> for both of them. Um, <laughs> um, but um, there's a couple that really have caught my eye. We've got Isopod, which is the kind of, I suppose, spin-off from Webbed, which um, I think was shown last year, and that just did amazing things. It was sort of like a uh, 8-bit uh, spider um, adventure platformer. Um, Isopod is like um, I'm an enormous arachnophobe, so it's <laughs> much more much more palatable. It's um, like a you know the, the little butcher boys, the um, the, the little um, insects that roll. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I actually saw the other day that they've got about like 16 different names. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> but it's sort of like it's the Mario 64 to <laughs> web. Uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers, um, yeah. if that makes sense. So I think that's going to be pretty good. Govins is another one that um, it, it, they describe it as a friendly puzzle game. It's like a word game, but it's just got the most beautiful art style. It looks like a animated interlude from Sesame Street. Um, and they've got this great um, jazz soundtrack from a Melbourne jazz saxophonist. So oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, another one that's really caught my eye has been Future Folklore, which is by Guck, um, and it's Australia's first ever Aborig Aboriginal-led mobile game. Um, so I, I think that's really going to be something special as well. So, I mean, that's uh, combined with the other two. What's that, five games already? So out of the nine, I mean, off the top of my head, it's, it's looking pretty good. I think it'll be fantastic, yeah. actually. Is there... Um, any kind of unifying theme between all these games, uh, or is it just uh, good Australian independent? Yeah, um, not yeah. It, it's basically we we just look at what the best um, locally made uh, games are being made. Um, they usually do take a kind of uh, you know sort of independent, um, or almost like a like a handmade. You know, they they lean towards the the more arty end, I suppose. Of, of, of game making, but that leads to some pretty special stuff. I mean, we we have the the tagline of um, your next favourite game, <laughs> um, which honestly is kind of kind of followed through this year. But also, I suppose thinking of the theme, I mean, Paperhouse, who curated it this year, have really gone next level. The visual identity for this year's um, showcase is like you know a kind of riff on those early 2000s, um, uh, you know, 100% hits um, yeah. <laughs> CDs. Well, I realised um, this when I tried, tried to add an alt tag to it on Twitter. So I was just right. looking at it in depth, trying to describe every feature. I'm like, oh, no, there's too much in here. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. And they, they, did, they really went uh, above and beyond because there's actually a phone number you can text and when you text it with uh, the code, I think you'll find it on the Freeplay um, Twitter account. Um, when you text it with the code, it, it texts you back with a wallpaper and a ringtone. Oh, uh, that's <laughs> sweet. Is, um, I have no idea how they set that up, but it works. I've done it myself. Um, nice little Easter egg for the listeners. Thank you. I don't think I've wanted yeah. a ringtone since 2004, so um, yeah. this might be the first time in a decade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty special. And the, the ringtone is actually, it was commissioned by us, um, by um, local, um, uh, I guess, um, I, I don't know, I'd describe it as maybe bedroom pop artist, Ben Offie. Mm. Um, so mm. she's written a track for us this year and it was Fantastic. used on the trailer and yeah, it's the ringtone. Pretty cool. <laughs> oh, it gets a lot of coverage on, on this station. So uh, mm. that's, that's <laughs> awesome credentials.
Um, how um, how do uh, the games get chosen? Is it just like you're keeping an eye on it over the years or other free pay board members and other people involved in free play are keeping an eye on it over the year or is it an application process? How, how do um, the games get chosen? Yeah, so actually, interesting over the years, we, I mean, we've been running parallels since, I think, 2014, and it's always been um, curation only. Uh, so unlike the rest of the free play festival, where there's a chance to submit, and sort of, especially if you've got a, a talk idea or anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but for the, um, the parallels showcase, it's, it's pretty much curation only. So it's um, each of us sort of reaching out to our networks and keeping an eye on things. I mean, I suppose the maximum amount of games that we've shown in any years, I think 10, maybe there was 11 one year. So there's not a lot of room uh, in any case. So we don't really want to disappoint people through submissions processes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty much curation. And I suppose, you know, with um, this year working with a, a local game studio to put together the lineup as well, it, it really sort of is a, a testament to um, the local community and kind of, you know, it, it, it's always got such a great feeling in the room uh, of bringing people together, I think, and, and, and probably that, that has a bit to do with it, that curation, yeah. It really does. Um, I think what I love most about the Parallels events is it's just a night of such great storytelling and yeah. the stories behind games that you play tend to be quite unexpected and not necessarily, you know, really loosely loosely tied to the... Um, the game themes themselves. So you can get some really yeah. interesting juxtapositions in there. Yeah, for sure. It, it really is, you know, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's, I always find it surprisingly emotional. Yeah. Uh, even with, uh, you know, the silliest, funniest game. Um, I guess it's it turns just, out, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I guess it's just the same way, you know, when you have an album that you really like, you want to know, yeah like what happened while that album was being made, not just, you're like, you don't just yeah. want to listen to the album. Yeah. <laughs> like you want. Or the people have like poured their heart and soul into it for, yeah. you know, uh, years or, and now it's like mm. they're seeing the culmination of that and they get to see yeah. like the feedback response, which I imagine video game developers don't often get as much as they would like. Um, the look on people's faces when they're interacting with their, their art. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I think, you know, and especially, like, even if it is a comedy game, actually, to hear people laughing in response to your game <laughs> is actually kind of, a, kind of a rare experience as a game developer. I mean, maybe you see it on streaming or something like that, but it's always kind of isolated and feels a little bit different to having, you know, a couple of hundred people in, the, in a room. Yeah, um, that collective that. viewing experience is yeah. pretty powerful. It absolutely is. I actually, uh, last year I put together a, a trailer for last year's event and I took took a little recording of the live uh, event uh, a couple of years before where Chad, our director at the time, Chad Toprak, who did such an amazing job, mm. um, saying welcome to free play and hearing the audience kind of roar in response <laughs> to that. It was like, especially after a couple of years of not being able to see people, it really just, it was ah, surprisingly emotional. Every time I kind of ran that oh. through editing, it <laughs> still got me. Just got the, mm. the goosebumps. Uh, fantastic. Mm. Hey, so, Dan, thanks for telling us about Free Play Parallels mm. this year. Where can people find out more? And are there still tickets available? Because I've seen varied <laughs> responses. <laughs> 
So the bad news is there are not any tickets available. I think <laughs> the, the thing is that every single year, no matter which room we put it in, no matter what venue we put it in, it always sells out. I mean, people just love this event. We've got to, I don't know, find some enormous venue for it next year. But it is sold out, but it will be recorded. Yes. So people um, will be able to watch it later. It won't be streamed online um, live, but you will be able to watch it later. Uh, and head to the free play website because not only have we got um, information about all of the games that are going to be featured and you'll be able to watch the recording there, but we've got recordings from previous years as well if you want to see, um, gosh, Untitled Goose Game, you know, a couple of years before release or Florence or Paperback or Wayward Strand, any of those great oh. um, Melbourne made games. Back, when, yeah, back when the goose was just a gosling. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Golding, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, it's been it's a pleasure to hear about pleasure. parallels. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Great. Have a great night. Thanks, Dan. Coming up next, we have an interview with uh, Vincent Trundle, the Acme senior producer, and we're talking about uh, a new school program. Vincent Trundle has my initials, but more importantly than that, is a senior producer of schools program at Acme, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image. He's here tonight because um, there's a fantastic event going on as part of Melbourne International Games Week. It is the Games for Change Asia Pacific Teacher Summit. It's on over three days and it promises to help build student engagement in the classroom and beyond using the extensive teaching and learning opportunities provided by video games. Certainly not something I experience much in school. Welcome to the show, Vincent. G'day. How are you going? Really well, thanks. How are you? Um, 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 in the middle of games week. <laughs> and excited and it's just crazy seeing people in person again. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And you're in the midst of the Games for Change Asia Pacific Teacher Summit. Give us your, your elevator pitch. What are you all about? Where have you come from? Oh, look, I've got to say that, that, um, that, that the Games for Change Festival, uh, the Games for Change Asia Pacific Festival is a three-day event. Um, the teacher, the teacher summit has actually occurred, and we've we've just moved out of that. But we're still in the the next two days of the festival, yes. and so well, it's all about just you know bringing out the the, 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 the social, the, the the amazing impact. That You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R, exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. I can hear how enthused you are. You sound like um, any one of us at a music festival, and we know that this festival can be just as cool. What has been happening um, at, your, at your teacher summit? Why are you so full of beans? Uh, well, look, firstly, we've had two years of downtime and yeah. every single year, for probably six or seven years, we had the teacher, well, we had a very, various different forms of a teacher summit where they bring, we bring all the amazing teachers and, and, and programs that people are running in schools using video games um, and, and we, we show them to other teachers and try and sort of get people to understand that it's okay 
video games in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and it's not just okay, but there's some really great programs and there's, you know, like s such amazing games. And, you know, like you were just talking to Dan Golding, the, the games that come out of Melbourne are, are, are easy examples of things that you can you can use in the classroom. There's just sort of, um, there's so many aspects of that that you can you can use in different sorts of curriculum that you you know it's it's a it's a perfect opportunity and um and we've had so many teachers come in and, and show us what 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 you know d different ways you can use it from from using it from you know how to make a game you know, there's so many different aspects of how making games can be great ways of learning in the classroom to using games as things that you can learn skills from so you might you know a great you know the simple example of that is is a flight simulator and and my sort of big interest as, a, as an ex media student is you know using games to understand humanity and and you know, all those aspects are just so terrific to use in classrooms so there's lots of teachers that are doing that already and it's just great to be able to pull them together and and, and you know, demonstrate all that, you know, to a whole bunch of other teachers. Um, what What are some of the revelations that have come out of this? What are uh, What are teachers excited about with in regards to video games? Are they bringing as much uh, to the table as they're getting when they come to a um, teacher summit? Yeah, look, I, it, it's a it's a festival of love, really. It's it's I, I, I really have to just sort of double down on the Melbourne Games team has some amazing games that are not, you know, very, they're, they're very, they come from a different approach and they have a different um, interactivity and they're, they're so, they're so usable in the classroom that, that, that the teachers are really coming together to say, look at these things that are happening from, you know, from using... So slightly older ones like Florence, but you know new ones. There, there's sort of so, so many games that are coming out now. That Untitled Goose Game is probably one of. Uh, I, I have an online database called Game Lessons of lesson plans that are based around video games, and um, Untitled, Untitled Goose Game is probably the fave um, game that has lesson plans centred around it. In that, you know, oh, that, we we can't we can't go past that bit, Vincent, because uh, I think for some of us who love Untitled Goose Game, we're probably having a little bit of a you know hard time imagining how this might be worked into a lesson plan. Could you give us an example of how someone might use uh, that in an educational setting? Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, doing a, a news report from a goose's perspective. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so considering so, so, from you know. Get, being journal a journalist, you know, as as a as a goose and, and what's going wrong in that sort of place. Um but um you know, I've got to say that, that there's there's so many different aspects. I, I, I there's another um game um uh and I'm I've just lost my brain for a moment. Um there's another game that's that's uh, about a, basically an illustration of a tram trip. Oh. Um maybe you can walk me out here. Um no, but we'll keep thinking on it. Yeah. Okay, but it's an it's a, it's a it's an it's an illustration of a tram and a cat that's a driver that um <laughs> just basically drives along and picks up passengers and drops them off, and um that's that's another lesson plan that's used for primary for kids to just think about what is interactivity, what is a oh, game. This is um short trip. This game. Yeah, I, um, thank you. Yes, yeah. Your yes. Yeah, Alexander Perrin. 
Yeah, and what be- I mean, apart from being just a beautiful piece, it's 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 hyper local. Young- yeah, well, yeah. That's I mean, that's what I'm saying. That Melbourne has a, a great. I mean, there's there's games across the world that are fantastic anyway to use in classrooms. But you know, these 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 are the ones that we have as sort of phase that we like to use um, to show people and and to try and get the word out because it's games are really maligned in schools generally. Um, and that's what we're sort of fighting against all the time. And that's what, you know, what the wonderful thing about Games for Change is, is that, that it starts sort of a bit of a movement to, sh- to show that you can use games for change. And what, uh, what are the, some of the stories coming from teachers who uh, have experienced uh, teaching with games in the classroom? How do the, how do the students uh, respond to this kind of teaching? Well, um, I mean, lockdown was a great sort of example. Um, had a teacher... I won't name names of places, but um, <laughs> he he was he was actually an ex game uh, esports gamer. He um, had some dis you know, sort of got quite disengaged students that were really pushing away from any sorts of things that he was trying to do in the classroom. And then when it was online, and so he brought Untitled Goose Game into their lives and started using the program around that. And and it just it sort of just it really gathered them in and got them engaged, you know, like and and feeling like they were an important part of the class. It was just terrific. It was really yeah, that, that's one just that's, good example. Yeah, that sounds sensational. I, I love that. Um, a little while back, you said that some games you can learn skills from, and then you mentioned a flight simulator. <laughs> and well, I was um. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, how far have things come along in that in that path? Not flight simulators, but you know, what sort of range of skills are you seeing come up in games that might be constructive? Look, I use the flight simulator as an example. Uh, forgive me on this, but flight simulator is the easiest people, the easiest one for people to understand. Oh, I it's think. so relatable. You, yeah. can, you, know, you can just go. I can. I can basically almost be a pilot by doing so many hours flight simulator. But um, an example I really love is is. Um, um, papers, please. Oh. And, and so, yeah, yeah, I love that game. Um, could you, to, could you to, maybe uh, explain that game to our audience who maybe yep, haven't had sure. that so, sigh of recognition? <laughs> so, so you're a border guard in a Eastern Bloc country. It's sort of, it's sort of so topical, topical, topical now. Um, but, um, a, a border guard in an Eastern Bloc country that has just decided to allow outsiders in. And you've got to check their their credentials to be able to allow them in, and that's that's a, that's a great premise in itself. But if you don't allow enough people in, basically your family are going to die because you're not going to earn enough money to feed them, and heat the the room that you're in or the place that you're in. And I so died so many times. I mean, my family died sometimes. <laughs> Which is very similar to the <laughs> flight simulator <laughs> experience, really. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's. And, um, it's also amazing how fun government bureaucracy can be if you make a game out of it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but using that as sort of thinking you know, for a classroom to think about borders and border guards and, and what people are required to allow people into countries, to think about Eastern Bloc countries and what they're going through and what they're, they're moving into. There's so many learning aspects about that that you can use that are specific to a particular curriculum. So you wow. might be using it, you know, you might be using it for geography, you might be using it for politics, you might be using it for all these other areas. Um, and, you know, that's a great... I mean, so how do you start... Whole... Sorry, sorry, Vincent. No, Go finish on. that thought. Sorry, I, I just couldn't hear you. 
Uh, it's just more that there's there's lots of camps that you and, and I, I I don't like to say that you know there's educational games because I don't believe in in inverted commas educational games. I just like to use games that are made and go look at this amazing artworks, these amazing things that people have created that have got these wonderful reflections and ideas on what society is and yeah. let's pull that apart in a classroom and make that as part of our curriculum as opposed to let's read chapter 14 of blah blah yeah. blah and, yeah. Yeah. well they are just another, another media um, form really and like you say much I, I more say they are just another media form I would say they are quite a very good yes but like a lot of other, other um, areas you know there's there's really amazing quality ones and they have different different strengths and a range of genres and everything. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the fact the fact that um, you have you have uh, choice in games and you have power and control and you, you level up and those mm. sorts of things make it give yeah, exactly. It, it it makes it so much more engaging and interesting. Mm. Um, we had a, a presenter present on on what he was doing with Florence uh, with his year nines, and and he would because Florence has twenty chapters. He, ha- he would allow one student to come up and play one chapter wow. in front of everybody else, and then the next student would come up, and they had you know towards getting towards without spoilers if you like. Um, you know they were saying, "Oh, you broke up! You made broke up!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that sounds a lot and like a... everyone was looking at the screen. Everyone was engaged, and, and he was sort of worried that that um, you know, if one a one player was playing, the rest of them would be not that they're allowed phones, but, but more or less, you know, the, the idea they'd be looking at their phones or looking at their desk. Mm. It sounds um, like a writing yeah, exercise. Everyone was engaged, and everyone's into it, and everyone's loving it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it sounds a lot like a writing exercise that I remember doing in primary school, where you write one sentence and then pass it to the next yes. the next person. And the only thing is it's a little bit more curated, so maybe kids who don't have the the greatest understanding of story, story structure can be guided a little bit more in something like that. And, um, yeah, that sounds wonderful. Vincent, oh, the, that, oh, no. Sorry. No, please. I was just going to say that the, 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 what he said was the fact that there was no verbal language, no written language, no verbal language in Florence made it a whole new way of looking at language wow. as well. So you have that on top, you know. So there's so many great levels. I mean, you know, Gardens Between does the same sort of thing. If you remember Gardens Between, we've got a lesson plan on that as well. Um, it, it has, you know, no verbal language, no written language. You have to you have to work it out from the colours, the shapes, the sounds, etc. And Dan, Dan talking about music and stuff before and, and the music you just played, there's so much power in, in the audio mm. in a game. Mm. Yeah, it, uh, with, with visuals that, that yeah, there's, there's so many levels to teach from. I just yeah, hmm. under and un, very underutilized. Incredible. Um, so when you first got into this space, were you looking at learning objectives and working your way backwards in a very you know formal sort of way, or were you a bit more um, inspired well, no. by the art side of things yeah. and then yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I started, you know, when I first encountered Acme, it had games that just blew my mind. And there's quite a long time ago. And I was just going, why isn't, why aren't these being used in schools? It's just silly. It's just ridiculous. There's, there's amazing creativity and artwork and, and, and concepts and ideas that are in these the, the games, so many different games. So why aren't teachers using this in their schools? It would just inspire and 
despite his teachers, let alone his students. <laughs> Vincent, thank you so much for sharing about the Games for Change Asia Pac Festival and the Teachers Summit within that. Um, where's the best place for people to find out more and maybe get involved next year? Well, um, I, I have to say, as, as a, a, um, a committed ACME uh, staffer, ACME is just the best place for games to change. It's just, it's just a natural home for it. It's really, it's really suited for games to change Asia-Pacific. Asia it's great to have the, uh, the US um, president over and the chief learning officer to, to launch and open and, and help with this, this festival, the first time that we've been in person again I'm sorry not in person it's the wrong kind of word on site like mm. being able to physically around people and just sort of coming up with ideas at the moment and not switching off the screen at the moment it's, it's just been terrific but um, um, Games to Change Asia Pacific is Googleable at ACME um, we've still got tomorrow you can still come in tomorrow and see the, the last day of the, the, the three day festival um, and yeah next year it will be bigger and better and huger with lots of people on site at ACME. That'd be just great. We love ACME. Um, Vincent, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, My pleasure. Vincent Trundle, the ACME senior producer um, uh, with the, the Games for Change. Yes, yeah, yeah. Game for Change Asia Pacific Teacher Summit. Thank you very much. 758 Triple R, bite into it for the last little bit with Dan and Vanessa. Um, and we want to leave you with some events that are going on during Melbourne International Games Week, which is now Ooh. until Sunday. So let's let's do it. What's uh, uh, first cap off the ring? Uh, playful Parklet uh, for Melbourne International Games Week. Experience a pop-up urban play festival in Parklet. Um, the programs to join live music, playful chalk creatures, how to parkour, urban play school, um, augmented reality, uh, robotics ensemble, and a seaweed library. Um, I don't know what a seaweed library is, but... Sounds pretty cool. It does. I would uh, very much like to see that. Any of these events we mentioned, you'll be able to find at gamesweek.melbourne and... Uh, Slash events if you yeah. want, but you can just navigate your way around there. That's at 268 Carlisle Street in uh, Balaclava. Yep, they're all over the, the state. Um, there's a bunch of accessibility events hosted by Variety, the children's charity, exploring and celebrating accessibility in the Aussie games industry. And uh, it's a week-long streaming lot of events that they're holding. And, uh, yeah, you can sort of check them out from the 1st of October through to the 9th. So the whole time the fest is on. Nice. Um, Clarendon Street Arcade. So there are playable art machines along an arcade game trail in Clarendon Street, South Melbourne. Um, classic arcade games that have been reimagined uh, to transform the streets into a games hub that is accessible and playable for everyone. Sounds like a real treat to just uh, trundle along, um, playing with a few arcade games and um, yeah. jiggle in the arcade stick a little bit on And then hit the South and, Melbourne market. And that's it. That is it. Yeah. Get a dimmy. I yeah. love it. Hey, thanks to our guests this evening. We spoke to Dan Golding about Free Plays Parallels Festival and Vincent Trumbull about the Teachers Summit at uh, Games for Change uh, Asia Pac as part of Melbourne International Games Week. Sensational time. Thank you to my co-host, Dan Morganti. Thank you, Vanessa.
Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts.